right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Ask Me Anything. And uh, as you know, this is a, a podcast where Pastor J.D. Greer gives quick answers to some of your toughest theological, ethical, and leadership questions. I am Matt Love. And there is just no hiding the fact that over the last few years, our denomination has been in the news for some failures of leadership, failures to protect people that needed to be protected. And so, J.D., I I feel like this season that we've been in as a denomination does have some people asking, I I would say, a question that's valid. Should we have denominations? And and if so, why? Why should we have them? So, J.D., that's the question I have for you. Let's take a step back. Should we even have denominations? Yeah, that's a great question, and it's one I actually get a lot, particularly in that I lead a Baptist church, and we Baptists are not just Protestants. We're actually what they call part of the offspring of the Radical Reformation, which was like you know, Protestants of the Protestant. Um, One of the things that Luther was criticized about when he was essentially begrudgingly launching the Protestant Reformation, he didn't mean to, he didn't want to, he wanted to reform the church. That's why he's a reformer. Um, But eventually he just, he got to where he felt locked out and he had to choose between the truth of scripture or the unity of the church. And he went with the truth of scripture. But um, one of the criticisms he got is, is Luther, if you do this, then there's one day going to be as many different, you know, kinds of churches as there are, as there are Protestants, because everybody's just going to say, well, this is how I interpret the Bible. And they're going to start their own brand of church. And that's something, honestly, we, I, I live with. I mean, I, I understand where that criticism comes from. I, I know John 17, Jesus prayed for the unity of his church and it, it brings glory to him and division and schism that that grieves Jesus' heart. But one of the things I think you you understand that I understand about John 17 is that it is he's not talking necessarily about an organizational structural unity. I think he's talking about a a spiritual unity, a relational unity of the church. And while I would love for there to be one holy united Catholic church, you know, small C under one um, kind of you know one large network and a head, and I wish it was that way. Like Luther, if you got to choose between that and the truth of Scripture, I, I think you you've always got to side with the truth of of, of Scripture. And so, when it comes to um, seeking unity and also seeking truth, I think that's something that we're always you know trying to live in tension. And so, um, yeah, unfortunately, um, we were not able to stay underneath the Roman Church's organization. Um, you know, I know Roman Catholics will claim. You know, they've got a, a succession that goes from Peter onward that just went from pope to pope. We find difficulty finding the warrants for the claim of apostolic succession. Yes, God gave to Peter and the other apostles incredible authority, and it was authority to record his words, John 14. You know, he said, you're going to record my words. And he said, I'm going to build my church on on, on, on the testimony of the apostles and, and he gave him the keys to the kingdom. But we recognize, you know, I don't see anywhere in scripture that he shows that that authority was then going to be passed on, you know, organizationally person to person. We think that authority was then encoded in the new Testament, which outlines for us, um, the rules about heaven and hell and what the church is. And so that's where we put apostolic authority. I, I I've, I've yet to have someone demonstrate to me from the new Testament, why there is, an apostolic succession that you know that that ran through through Rome. The word is always the central authority in the church that you go back to. I mean, even Paul himself was like, "Hey, if you question what I'm saying, go back to the word." The Bereans, you know, Acts, Book of Acts says they were more noble than those at Thessalonica because they searched the scriptures. the The word is always the authority in the church. That's uh, we we love traditions. We love 
you know, church leaders. We give a lot of deference to both, but ultimately it's the word of God itself that is the, the sole unchallenged authority in the church. Tradition can help us. Church leaders can help us but it's the word that is, is infallible. Furthermore, you're going to find that in already in the new Testament, even with the apostles still around, they're continually looking to the church, the local church as, as something that should be governing itself. When Paul is concerned about doctrinal compromise, um, he writes to the church in Galatia. He writes to the church at Ephesus. Um, he encourages them to um, to discipline themselves and to remove sinning members. He talks about you know them uh, raising up their own leaders and, and affirming their leaders. You, you see increasingly in the New Testament, um, in the book of Acts and in the epistles, you see uh, you have what we call the autonomy of the local church, where the church is under Jesus and under Scripture. It is the authority that's supposed to govern uh, govern itself. That's why we at the Summit Church and, and the, the group of churches I associate with, we, we teach an autonomy of the local church that, yes, we are submitted to Jesus. We, we, we have a healthy respect for the traditions of the church, but we also recognize that our elders don't report to a bishop or a pope. Um, they report to our elders are under the scriptures and under Jesus. Practically, sometimes people say, well, what about all the different, you know, doctrinal uh, schisms and the fact that there's so many different variations now that you don't have one magisterium in Rome. Yeah, but I would say that heresy gets worse when you've got one group of people who can declare themselves the authority and be unchallenged than if you've got you know people out there that have to compete in the marketplace of ideas. For example, I, I might argue all day long with three different Pentecostal pastors about the right way to see baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we might leave at odds at the end of the day. And that can be frustrating that we can't come up with one, you know, kind of authoritative. This is, is what it says for everybody everywhere. I would much rather have that situation though, than have to look across the room at, at priest in the inquisition who were saying, if you do disagree with us, you are going to be burned at the stake. Um, yes, there have been doctrinal um, corruptions that have come out of not having one authoritative magisterium, but I would say the doctrinal corruption that came when we did have one authoritative magisterium was much worse. Uh, that's it was kind of Luther's thing is, is like the gospel is no longer being preached here and there's things that are being taught, whether it's indulgences or you know the the worship of Mary or purgatory or or various things that these are just not in the scripture. And so that the heresies that were coming out of the official magisterium were, I think they were far more deadly and more dangerous than, uh, than, than when you have um, no one central authority and you have people appealing to the Bible directly. The way we approach a denomination is, you know, as a Baptist, we believe in the autonomy of the local church. We're under the authority of Jesus and scripture, but our elders of our church, they are under the authority of the congregation and our congregation doesn't report to any human authority. That's, uh, we are, we are autonomous. We participate in a what most people call a denomination of about 47,000 other churches. But this denomination, the Southern Baptist Convention, is unlike a lot of denominations in that there's no authority above us in that. I mean, it, we, are, are, we are voluntarily cooperating, and if we decide, we can voluntarily stop cooperating. Um, we ascribe to the Baptist faith and message along with these other churches, but there's no authority. There's nobody who owns us. 
Um, it's, it's voluntary and we come together for the purposes of mission. Um, it means that ultimately it's Southern Baptist churches that holds their leaders accountable. It's not leaders that control the churches. It's churches that, that control the leaders. Uh, you know, a very dark chapter here in Southern Baptist life has been, um, the revelation that, that some of our, our leadership were shielding, um, and protecting abusers. And uh, we're, we're making it difficult for abuse victims to be able to, to report. You know, if there is any kind of bright spot in all this, it's that, you know, the Southern Baptist people had the means to call for this investigation. That wasn't something that was imposed from the outside on them. It wasn't something the leader called for. It was the people that called for that. And they were able to do it because the Southern Baptist Convention is not a denomination that's ruled from the top down. It's ruled from the bottom up. Um, members of churches elect leaders and send messengers who hold um, their leadership there accountable. Yes, it is possible for the people to grow corrupt, but it is more likely that leadership, unchecked leadership that sit in positions of power, they are more likely to go corrupt than, than the people are. And so I actually think it's a better safeguard against corruption than to put all the authority in the hands of a bishop or a pope or whatever you want to call it, because I think, again, that's where corruption more more likely um, more likely happens and where it festers. So that's why we have historically believed in the autonomy of the little church. And we, yes, are a part of a denomination, so to speak, of other like-minded churches, but it's voluntary. And we believe that we work better when we come together for mission. We can do more together. And we also want to pursue as much as we can that unity that Jesus paid for, both relationally and spiritually, but also as much as we can organizationally too. So it's just part of being in a fallen world. One day in heaven, we'll have one big, huge unified organizational structure but until then right now we've got to hold the tension between truth and aligning around truth and also pursuing the unity that we know that jesus loves we're so glad you could be with us today for more resources from pastor jd please be sure to check out jdgreer.com and while you're there, sign up for our email newsletters. It is the absolute best way to stay up to date with Pastor JD's latest blog posts, podcasts, all kinds of other stuff. And we'll also make sure that you never miss a new resource or series. It's quick and easy to sign up. Go to jdgreer.com and sign up today. And we'll see you next time on Ask Me Anything.